When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. schools are committed to each other and to the Pac-12, we'll get our meteorites deal done, we'll announce the deal. I think the realignment that's going on in college athletics will, will come to an end for this cycle. Well, something came to an end and everything started back on July 27th. Colorado announced they would leave and join the Big 12 starting in 2024. And this was the first domino in what would start a chain reaction. Now, back on Tuesday, the Pac-12 presented the long-awaited media deal to the schools. It was a deal with Apple TV that reportedly would give each school a $20 million base with further incentives. Now moving forward to Thursday, the Big Ten presidents and chancellors met early in the morning and it's there that they authorized the exploration of adding Oregon and Washington to the conference. Things kept moving later that night as the Arizona Board of Regents for a second time. It was reported that the Big 12 had voted to approve Arizona's admission into the conference that night as well. And on Friday morning, there was a slight hope that a Pac-12 grant of rights would be signed in an attempt to save the conference. However, the meeting ended with an unsigned and the future of the conference in jeopardy. Later on Friday night, Oregon and Washington were officially announced to be joining the Big Ten starting in 2024. They are now set to become the 17th and 18th teams in the conference next year. Also on Friday night, it was a busy one. Three more teams were on the move as the Big 12 approved the additions of Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. This makes the Big 12 a 16-team conference starting in 2024. So... Who's left? Well, not much. Just four teams remain in the Pac-12 as of today. Stanford, Oregon State, Cal, and Washington State. For perspective, the rest of the Power Five have at least 14 schools set for next year. There's no, no denying the significance of this. This is a, as big a deal as it gets to be. I mean, this is uh, uh, really kind of shocking. Um, you know, personally, it's, it's sad. It's sad. Uh, I grew up, again, I'm going to first talk personally. I mean, I grew up around the Pac-10, Pac-12 conference and watching it and being a, fortunate to be a part of it, coached in it for a long time. Um, it's really sad. Um, you know, from what I know, it, it probably didn't need to come to this, but, you know, things happened along the way and really unfortunate, really unfortunate. So it's frustrating. Uh, you know, there's some anger in there. But right now, what we're focused on is this season. And there's still a lot to be determined um, for us, the conference. Um, moving forward, there's people working on that. But right now, coaches, we're all in with our players and this season. We know we got a game September 2nd, and that's what we're getting ready for. 
Welcome into College Football Live. We've got a lot to get to. Clearly, I'm Victoria Arlen, and joining me now is Pete Thamel. Now, Pete, I understand you've got some news about two of the remaining Pac-12 members. Yeah, Victoria, uh, we broke the story earlier today on ESPN that Cal and Stanford uh, are in discussions right now. I should say the ACC is in discussions about potentially taking Cal and Stanford. Sources describe those discussions to me right now as exploratory. The league's athletic directors in one conference call and then the league's presidents in another are going to talk about this within the next 24 hours. And what they need to decide, Victoria, is whether it makes sense for two great universities that are up to 3,000 miles away from some ACC schools would make sense to add them to the league. Ultimately, a lot of these decisions, Victoria, come down to finances. Uh, I was told by multiple sources today that any addition of talent Stanford would not be significantly additive for the ACC. Obviously, with the noise coming out of Tallahassee last week and the notion of seven ACC schools not happy with where things are financially, that's going to matter in the bottom line. So I guess the bottom line will factor in the bottom line. Well, Pete, just very quickly, how did we get here? How did it get to this point where everything just quickly fell apart? I mean, Victoria, it's mind-boggling in a lot of ways yeah. just because Stanford has top to bottom the single best athletic department in the country. But they got left out in the plague tectonics of conference realignment. They didn't have enough TV juice to go to the Big Ten, and they didn't have a particular desire to go to the Big 12, and the Big 12 didn't show a particular desire in them. They went for Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, which made more geographic sense. So two great universities in a top-five market are looking for a home. They are exploring other options. This isn't do or die in the ACC. Again, exploratory conversations on the East Coast about two schools on the West Coast. Well, the University of Cal Regents will be holding special meetings on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Pete Thamel, we will be following very closely. Thank you so much. All right, let's bring in Harry Douglas and Dusty Dvorak. All right, fellas, what do you make of this news? I'm going to start well, with you, Harry, or Dusty. Who okay. wants to start with this? Yeah, let's start with you. I, I, I want to jump in on this. Look, I, don't, I don't think it makes a lot of sense, honestly, no. from the ACC side of things. You've got Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, a host of other schools, seven in total, that aren't happy with the finances, as Pete just put it. This isn't going to help that endeavor. This isn't going to create new money coming to those schools. So where's the advantage for these schools? Now all of a sudden, these other sports have to travel cross-country. Let's not forget either. The Big 12, the Big 10 passed on both of these schools. Does the ACC want to be known for the league that's taking some schools that those other leagues passed on? I don't think so. I think they'll have discussions, but I think this is going to land nowhere for Cal and Stanford. Look, Stanford, Cal, good brands, but they don't move the needle as it relates to college football. They don't have the viewership. They don't rate the way some of these other schools do, and they're not going to add any value to the ACC. Yeah, I kind of – I'm going to piggyback a little bit of what Dusty said and then also add this. When you look at Cal and Stanford – Right. Those two universities are, are prestige. Right. They're the high of the hierarchy when you talk about education. But when you look at their football teams and their, the, the potential of them joining the ACC, how is that going to benefit the ACC conference? And I don't want the ACC to be in a situation where they just want to add two teams just to say they added two teams. Uh, Dusty touched on Florida State. 
in other schools that are uh, very unhappy right now, uh, why would you want to want those schools to be more disgruntled by adding a Cal and a Stanford? Then you talk about the other sports and being able to travel 3,000 miles plus to go play those other schools. Well, that takes money. The, 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 you cut into finances at that point. So I really don't see it uh, being feasible for the ACC. I don't see the pro in it, but there are a lot of cons to it. So, mm. uh, in actual reality, I think the ACC should bypass this one. I think a lot of us are seeing the cons over the pros, and so I think another kind of speaking of the Pac-12 departure, Washington President Anna Marie Kause spoke on Saturday, so let's hear what she had to say. It is my responsibility to do what is right for our university and our student-athletes, and an athletic program that is truly special. And the opportunities and stability offered by the Big Ten were simply unmatched. I want to be clear, this was not just about dollars and cents. This was about national visibility for our players, being on linear TV so that they could be seen, so that they could have the national exposure. It was about stability. It was about a contract that didn't have a two years and you can all split up. It was about having a future that we could count on and build towards. Um, so it wasn't just dollars and cents. All right, Dusty. Are you believing anything that she is saying? Dollar bills make the world go round and they make decisions get made. Look, if we're doing a pie chart, it's about money. Let's mm -hmm. not kid ourselves. But I'm buying what she's saying. It's also yeah. about visibility. Look, yeah. being on linear TV right here at ESPN, it matters. These schools want to be there. Might have cost Christian McCaffrey uh, a Heisman Trophy several years back. So, yes, I think it's all part of it. But at the end of the day, money rules the day. And this is a financial decision and one that I got to be honest, I can't blame Washington, Oregon, any of these schools for making this decision. If you're the president of a university, you've got to act and you've got to make decisions based off what's in the best interest of your school, your athletic department, what's going to uh, provide stability, and then what's going to provide a, a real legitimate future forward. And that's exactly what Washington and all these schools did. There's more than just money, but let's not get it twisted. Harry, this is about the money. It always has been. It always will be. Yeah, Dusty, 1,000%. Uh, and I don't know if you listen to Wu-Tang, but they have this song called Cream. Cash rules everything around me. And there's also <laughs> this thing called financial stability, right? So when you, uh, you know, factor that into the equation of making the decision to go to the Big Ten, um, I, I think everything overall, like linear TV is, is, is great or whatnot, but when you talk about being uh, stable from a financial standpoint, going to the Big Ten, knowing what the TV deal that they signed last year and the media rights and all that you have coming in. I understand you, it's going to take, a, you know, a little, little years for you to get to the money that you want, really want to make. But, you know, cash rules everything around me. Uh, they made a song about it. And at the end, they say dollar, dollar bill, y'all. <laughs> dollar, dollar bill. What a what a way! I never thought we'd have we'd have that in this show, Harry. So thank you for that. But I think <laughs> at the end of the day, what Dusty said and what Harry said makes so much sense, and also for the players too, in, in the world of NILs too, that visibility is huge. All right, still to come on College Football Live, you won't want to miss what Nick Saban has to say about the latest college football realignment changes. Don't go away.
Welcome back to College Football Live. The college football shakeup continues as the Pac-12 continues to crumble. Here are the teams leaving after this season. USC, UCLA, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, Oregon, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah leaving just Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford, and Cal left after this season. But here's what Missouri head coach Elia Drinkowitz had to say. All right, I'm going to say it. I thought the transfer window, I thought the portal was closed. Uh, oh, that's just for the student athletes. The adults in the room get to do whatever they want, apparently. My question is, did we count the cost? I'm not talking about a financial cost. I'm talking about, did we count the cost for the student athletes involved in this decision? We're talking about a football decision they based off football, but what about softball and baseball who have to travel cross country? Do we ask about the cost to them? Do we know what the number one indicator of, uh, of symptom of, or cause of mental health is? It's lack of rest and sleep. I, I don't worry at all about the game. The game is going to be strong. Football is going to be fine. We'll all figure it out. But did we consider the people that we are entrusted with? Did we consider the student athlete? Because then we're asking them to go out on their own to get NIL. We didn't say we're going to revenue share. We're not saying they're getting a piece of it. So that, that's the thing that's bothering me right now in this whole situation is we keep trying to limit what the student athlete can do, but then we act on our own. And uh, everybody's got their own reasons, um, uh, and, and I'm not questioning any of those. I'm saying as a collective group, have we asked ourselves, what's it going to cost the student athletes? I saw um, on Twitter several student athletes talking about one of the reasons they chose their school was so that their parents didn't have to travel. They chose a local school so that they could be regionally associated so their parents could watch them play and not have to travel. Did we ask them if they wanted to travel from the East Coast to the West Coast? Man, you know, I love the game. But every game that I coach, I look up in the stands and find my family. Now, Coach is not wrong. The current longest flight on the Pac-12 calendar is just about 1,200 miles. However, with the expansion in the Big Ten, those former Pac-12 teams are going to see a handful of flights more than double in length. A trip for potential Rutgers and Oregon matchups is the longest of them all is 2,900 miles. Now, Harry, as a, as a, as a former player, how do you feel about all of this? Um... I think it's tough. It's tough because we try every year to talk about how we care about the student athlete, but that's not what's portrayed. That's not what the actions say. Um, when you talk about travel alone, it's a hurdle. You talk about from the West Coast to the East Coast, and then we're, if we're talking about all sports, not everybody has the luxury of having, uh, you know, to fly private. They got to go commercial. But then when you look at, let's just say, you know, in the Big Ten, you have a 12 noon game. Right. So how is a team on the West Coast going to play a 12 noon game Eastern time if they're on 9 a.m. time West Coast? You know what I mean? So you, all these type of things you have to think about. And coach, the coach from Missouri just mentioned a lot of these players choose these schools so their parents and their family have the opportunity to come watch them play. Well, if they're playing games on the West Coast, on the East Coast at, at a normal rate, that's going to be hard to do. Also, when I look at these these players, um, I think we need to start asking them and getting their input on things and how they feel about it. But I think we don't do that because of the lack of leadership around college sports today. 
Absolutely. And as coach said, you know, what about the other athletes that aren't football players that are, are playing other sports and what do, what, how do they feel about yep. this and their families? It, the ripple effects go much, so much further than football. And Nick Saban is always a voice of reason. And he had his thoughts on this realignment. So let's hear what Nick Saban had to say. Traditions that we've had for a long time in college football. And uh, I think we're in a time of evolution for whatever reasons um, and some of those traditions are going to get sort of pushed by the wayside I think and it's sad um, whether it's good bad or indifferent for college football I guess you have to define what is good bad what is good and bad for college football I think we're going to be defining that for quite some time now dusty do we think after hearing coach Saban's words do we think that this realignment is a good or bad thing for college football well i think his, his comments were spot on i think it's tbd we don't know let's let time play itself out i think it is sad though like i, I love the tradition the pageantry the rivalries of college football i don't love that we won't see bedlam anymore after this season i don't love some of the rivalries that are disrupted now because of this. But what I do think about is there's going to be new rivalries. There's going to be new matchups. There's going to be a lot of great that comes with this. So I think it's a little bit of both. I think there's going to be some bad. There's going to be some sad. It's tough, man. When we grow accustomed to something, the Pac-12 has been around or some iteration for over 100 years. And so when that goes away, that's tough and that's challenging. But to me, there's a lot of excitement on what a 12-team playoff holds for college football, on what some of these new matchups are going to be created, holds for college football. So, Coach is right. It is sad and it's a different world, but I can't wait to see what this next evolution of college football looks like, and it sure feels like it has the chance to be something exciting and something great. And speaking of traditions, the Rose Bowl, always been a Pac-12, Big Ten uh, you know, piece of real estate. What if that became the national championship location? I don't know, maybe – to create some new traditions in college football. Harry, do you have a matchup with this new realignment that you're looking forward to most? Because Dusty's words are, are kind of getting me a little excited. Yeah, I think the one when we look at a few years ago when Oregon was able to defeat Ohio State and kind of put a dent in their season, um, I think that's something that could really be a rivalry moving forward. But I have to agree with him, though. I'm going to miss the old rivalries. That's what we've known college football to be, to be those rivalries, tradition. And I'll be honest with you, that's why the college game, in a lot of people's eyes, is better than the NFL game because you have a lot of tradition. But I would also say this. I know a guy named Arthur Blank. I played for him with the Atlanta Falcons, and he has a book called Good Company. And he mentions one of the pillars in that book is you have to innovate continuously. Right. It's OK. Sometimes change, change happens, but change doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. So that's why I am with it. Well, the Rose Bowl could be part, uh, will be part of the CFP rotation. So Dusty's word, we very well could see that. So that look, new beginnings could be very exciting. So we shall see. Let's be optimistic as we roll into a break. All right. We've got some UFC action coming your way. Fight night from the Apex in Las Vegas with the much-anticipated welterweight main event. The prelims begin Saturday at 4 Eastern, 1 Pacific, followed by the main card at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN+. Plus. 
Plus, coming up on College Football Live, we've got the first coaches poll of the season released today, and we take a look at the top 10 and stick around to see if your team made the cut. Let's get ready. We saw the first coaches poll of the season get released today. Here's a look at the top 10. Georgia got 61 of the 66 first place votes and resumed their spot on top. No shocker there. Alabama had four of the remaining five votes for first, but still sit behind Michigan. USC and reigning Heisman winner Caleb Williams came in at number six, while Clemson and Tennessee round out at the top 10. All right, Dusty, where do you stand with this poll? Uh, look, I think for the most part they got it right, but I'm going to nitpick a little bit. Love Michigan at two. Bama's yep. too high at three for me. Look, Saban's the too GOAT. High. He's the greatest of all time. New coordinators, new quarterback, replacing Will Anderson. I got to see it. I'd have LSU probably up there where Bama is. And Florida State, come on, man. Can the Knowles get in the top five? Jordan Travis coming <laughs> back. Going to be a great runner for the Heisman Trophy. Jared Verse on defense. I really like Florida State heading the season. I thought eight was a little low for me. What about you, Harry? Yeah, for me, I think it's the noticeable. The Pac-12 having five teams in the top 18. Starting at number six with the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams in USC. You look at number 11, Michael Penix Jr., who was second in college football in passing yards uh, for the Huskies. Then you look at 14, you have Utah, Cameron Rising, and stopping USC from actually making the college football playoffs twice last year. Uh, you have Oregon and Bo Nix, the young man who had 14 rushing touchdowns. And then Oregon State at 18 who has D.J. Wangalele now at the quarterback position. So I think the Pac-12 having wonderful quarterbacks, but this is the last year we actually get to see those guys in the Pac-12. Yeah, Pac-12 is going to be the conference of quarterbacks. I think Oregon State saying, yo, what about us? Jonathan Smith has built a really good team. And what about Tulane coming in at 23? Willie Fritz and squad. Don't sleep on Michael Pratt. He's one of the best quarterbacks nobody's talking about. Man, I'll tell you what, guys, just looking at this – these rankings, this list gets me fired up for some college football. All right, quickly, who do you have winning it all? Harry, you first. Ooh, quickly, this is quickly. Tough. I'm going to go with Ohio State. All Ohio right, Dusty. State. I got to give you an answer now. Can I yeah. change it at some point? Yes. Uh, LSU, I think. I don't know. Contrary to change in the future. All right, Dusty, Harry, I'm Victoria. Thanks for watching.